Hello, and welcome to episode number 84 of the MR Running Pains podcast. My name is Aaron Saft, and today I am going to talk about observations I made while I was um, volunteering at an aid station at the George Jewell 100 miler this past weekend. Uh, it was awesome, honor, privilege to work with um, a lot of my friends and some new friends. Um, the the bakers um, graciously uh, allowed me to be the captain of the aid station. And uh, in return, we're going to swap. They are going to captain an aid station for us at the Hellbender 100. So I thank them very much for both the opportunity to do this and for uh, and for their gracious gesture in, in helping us at Hellbender. Uh, it was a wonderful weekend. We did get some weather. It didn't get too hot, um, but um, definitely stayed humid um, and muggy pretty much the whole time. And did get some rain, which did affect a lot of the runners. There were a lot of unfortunate drops um, at this event. Um, I was at the uh, aid station called Snake Creek, uh, which is right on the Pinhoti Trail in Georgia. It was uh, mile 18 and 82, um, so coming and going for the 100 miler. Uh, also mile 18 and 32 for the 50 miler. And uh, the turnaround point for the uh, 36 miler. So lots of folks coming through. So got to meet all sorts of, of folks and really fun to, to help out and, you know, keep them on their way to their journey. Um, also really hard to make some cuts. Um, we didn't have hard cuts. Um, they were giving us a little leeway with who we let through even after cutoff time. But unfortunately did have to make a few cuts. Um, and a number of stories there, but um, mostly I want to talk about what I observed uh, at the aid station and maybe just give you guys a few ideas of what I saw so maybe the same thing doesn't happen to you. And I don't want to pick on anybody in particular. These are just overall general observations I made. Um, so, and maybe some uh, resolutions you can use or, um, you know, more planning on your part. We, uh, my, my team and I, uh, the athletes I coach, we'll actually be discussing, I do a Zoom call every week with my athletes, and uh, we're actually discussing um, an episode from Rogue Running Podcast uh, that talks about race planning. Uh, now he, um, actually, um, his main point is on the marathon, but um, we are going to discuss how our planning should come about for uh, for ultra running, and that's you know potentially another podcast that uh, would be interesting to go over with you guys. So um, I will put the rogue running episode in the uh, the show notes. That way you can reference that if you want to take a listen. Uh, use what you can. Obviously, like I said, it's for the marathon, and maybe you are a marathoner. Um, but those of you that run ultra, uh, you know, obviously there are some pieces you can take away and uh, some adaptations you can make. But um, have a listen to that episode. Um, some useful information in there. All right, so um, what did I witness? Um, well, you know, I was really caught by surprise um, by, uh, you know, it being so early in the race um, at 18 miles and, um, you know, what we were seeing. Um you know, number of reasons, uh, like, you know, the rain, um, just going out too hard, 
Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I witnessed and I, I've been, you know, I, I've been uh, subject to this myself. I've committed this error um, is um, the first I want to talk about is everything in your pack has its place. And but what you know, but what I mean by that is that you should know exactly where things are in your pack. Uh, when you organize your pack, when you go out training with your pack, those items should always be stuffed in the same pockets so that you know where to, what you're reaching for and where to grab it. You know exactly where it is and how to get it. Um, and I would also plan for those things that you are going to need at the aid stations, um, like your reusable cup. This was a cupless race, so everybody had to have a reusable cup. I can't tell you how many people had to fumble to get their cup. That should be one of the most accessible things in your pack. So plan to put it in a pocket where not only you know where it is, but it's easily accessible. You can grab it. You can get it out. Um, same thing goes for your light. Okay, um, Your light should be readily accessible. You know exactly where it is. You don't have to take your pack off to get it. It should just be able to reach in and grab it. Um, and um, the other thing is um, trash. You should have a spot for your trash. Now, um, whether you know you have a specific pocket for it or it's in your shorts pocket, there should always be a spot where your trash goes. And that's one of the first things that you grab out to, before you get to the aid station to dump out so that you don't have it in your way. Um, you know, you don't start accumulating it. It's, it's the easiest thing to forget, but if you go into the aid station and we'll talk about having your plan going into the aid station, but, um, if you go into the aid station, knowing that, okay, I've got my trash, there's a few other things that I want you to think about prior to get into the aid station, but you know, having that trash in that same spot and ready to go and dump out, that's, you know, that's fantastic. Um, nutrition. You know, if you're carrying different types of gels or different flavors, you know, have uh, have different pockets where those are, but know exactly where they are. You know, know where they are in your pack so you can grab them. Um, same thing with salt tabs. You know, have uh, if you have that waterproof pocket, you know, that's a great place for it. Um, phone, you know, all of those things, they should really just be consistently placed in the same spot in your pack every time you train. Um, so train with your pack, train with the way you're going to pack it, know exactly where things are and those things that you need access to easily make them very accessible, um, in a pocket that's, you know, not super deep. So you're not digging down to grab it and through a bunch of other stuff. Um, cause then you start pulling out and a billion things fall out. So plan out how your pack is packed. <laughs> that's number one. Let's talk about planning. Okay. Number two. Uh, what goes into your plan, um, and um, well, well, we'll start with that. Okay, so let's say that you know you're you've planned this out. Um, you've got you're coming into the aid station. You've got your trash. You're ready. Next thing, get your bottles or your bladder ready. If that means you know, kind of walking into the aid station while you're taking off your pack. Um, I saw some people doing a, a great thing. If they have a bladder, they slung their pack around and put it on their front. So they, they still put their arms through the, um, the shoulder straps, but the pack was on their chest. And so they could pull out their, um, their, their water bladder and open it up. And, you know, we could pour, we had pitchers. So we just poured and filled whatever they wanted, water or uh, tailwind or, you know, whatever the products they were looking for, Coke, ginger ale, whatever. 
um, you know, it made it so easy, you know, whereas, you know, we're telling others, hey, get your bottles out, what would you like, you know, go in there knowing, okay, you know, walk in with the bladder ready or your bottles open and ready and say, you know, tailwind this one, water this one, whatever it may be, have that all ready, okay? Um, also, know what you are looking for when you get into the aid station. You may not know specifically what's at the aid station, but what is you? What are you craving? You know, is it a sugary item? Is it a salty item? Know what you want. That way, when you look across the table, you can spot something instead of standing there like, "Hmm, what do I want?" Know exactly what your body's craving. That way, you grab it and you can keep going. Okay. Don't stand at the aid station eating. <laughs> um, bring an extra Ziploc bag. You know, that's that's crucial that you have a few Ziploc bags in your pack that you can just open up and stuff some stuff in there and get on your way. That way you can eat while you're walking out of the aid station. Don't waste time just standing there trying to eat some stuff. You know, grab a bunch of things, put them in the Ziploc bags. If you have too much, throw some of it in your pack and get going. Whether you're walking and eating, you're still moving. You're not wasting time at the aid station. Okay, so bring some extra Ziploc bags that you can put your own food in, and that way you'll be more efficient through the aid station. Um, your your overall plan, if it's not working, if it's not working, then don't stick to it. I, you know, I saw a bunch of people that, you know, they went one way and... <laughs> It wasn't working. Their plan obviously wasn't working, and they came back, and it still wasn't working. They're now at mile 82. They've gone from 18 to 82 with a plan that wasn't working, and they're just suffering. Change, adapt. You gotta, you know, do things on the fly. You gotta be adaptable. If that plan is not working, change it. Change it so that it is working. What is gonna work? You have to keep problem solving. If you have crew, let them know. I, you know, this isn't going right. What can I do? Like, you know, sometimes we're just not thinking. And some other times people have to think for us. Ask the aid station volunteers. You know, most of us have been through it too. We've been through these experiences. We've had the same problems. Or we can help you problem solve for problems that you may be having. What's going wrong? Talk, ask, you know, look for help. Ask for assistance. Don't keep sticking to something that's not working for you. You know, we want to get you to the finish. There's no reason you have to suffer extra because you're trying to do it alone. This, you know, this is a community. We're here to help. So ask for the help, okay? Um, another thing that I saw, it, like people would get into the aid station and just kind of feel like defeated and they're like, I'm going to drop, you know. I've got no reason to keep going. Well, like... Why were you doing it in the first place, right? It all begins with why. That's that's the that's the gist of it. You have to have that why. We talk about it all the time. Why are you doing this? Like it has to be a strong reason. If you don't have a strong reason why you're doing something, it's just not going to help you move forward when it gets dark and when it gets tough. So start with why. There's a great book where, again, my athletes and I were doing a, a book talk in our next Zoom conference that we're talking about the book, Start With Why. It's a great book. It's a little bit more um, financially based, business based, if you will, um, but it has great principles to help us figure out why we are doing something. What is the purpose? Why are we there? Like, we has to begin with that. When you start your training, when you sign up for this race, that why should already have been established. You need to start with that. 
if you're going to start with a coach, if you were to talk to me, we're going to start with why. Why do you want to train for something? Is it strong enough? Do we need to work on it? Should it evolve? Yeah, it can definitely evolve. It can change. But that why should be at the forefront, and it should be at the forefront in your race. Don't come in and just feel defeated. Rely on your why. Rely on your happy thoughts, your joy, your love for this sport. Okay, you got to build yourself up and make that all strong. That foundation has to be there. So make sure that why is strong and is able to sustain you when you get tired and dark. The other thing that I saw, you know, <laughs> along with the why not being strong enough was just there was no urgency. The, you know, folks came in with no urgency. And these, some of these folks were on the cusp or even over cutoff. You know, I need 10 minutes. You don't have 10 minutes. You're already over cutoff. I'm trying to get you out of here so you can keep going. I wasn't trying to be aggressive or a jerk. I was trying to keep them going so that they can get to the finish and not get cut off. So, you know, I wanted to get them, you know, over the finish line so they got their buckle. They earned that. But, you know, there was no sense of urgency, uh, you know, and like that's part of even uh, at the front. There's this, you know, there's there's people that don't have a sense of urgency because they don't feel they're pressed for a time cutoff. And, you know, sometimes it's okay. You know, sometimes you have to take a moment, right? I get that. You have to refuel. You have to make sure you've got everything. You've got to collect yourself. I get that. But if you are pressed, you have to have that urgency, not to create a stress, but you have to know if, if I'm telling you you're 10 minutes over cutoff and you're telling me I need 10 more minutes, it's just not there. You gotta, you gotta figure it out. You gotta go. And we need to help you. The aid station needs to help you. And that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, in our, uh, in our way of pushing you out of the aid station, we're trying to keep you going, but you also have to have that urgency, have to have that, that will to get to the finish line, you know? It's, you know, talk to your friends when you finish. <laughs> talk to your crew about things when you finish. Get out of the aid station. Don't waste your time there. It's a, it's a time suck. So get in, get out. Have that sense of urgency. Don't waste the time there. Your time will be so much faster, and you will have that time after you finish to go over everything and to reflect and to talk and to have you know, the laugh and talk with your friends that you've been wanting to have. So I want you to enjoy your race, but at the same time, there has to be a balance of urgency. Uh, let's see, letting things go too far without addressing. Oh my goodness. I can't, there was so many examples here. And, um, you know, a lot of it came down to, again, not problem solving, you know, not thinking about or taking care of things when they first pop up. Okay. We always talk about, all right, if you get a rock in your shoe, get it out as fast as possible. Do not let it become a problem. Do not let it become a blister. Okay. Taking care of the feet. The feet are the biggest thing. If we don't take care of our feet, if they become to the point where they're chopped meat and you can't run on them, your race is over. You got to take care of those feet. That, you know, when we had all that rain, Penhody doesn't have a lot of drainage. The water sits in the trail. The trail is kind of like a parabola. It's, you know, it's, it's a U. It just forms a channel of water and your feet are just going to be soaking wet. What are you going to do to prevent those feet from, you know, getting basically trench foot? I saw so many people with, with hurt feet because they weren't, you know, their feet weren't getting dry. They weren't able to, to dry out their feet enough. 
I'll tell you one thing that I've done, and this started back uh, probably in 2016. I started wearing uh, Drymax uh, socks when it's super wet. Um, I've, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Exoskin and Injinji. Um, love my toe socks. Yep, they're great. But if it rains, if it's going to be really wet conditions, um, like it was at Grindstone, we ran through Hurricane Matthew, like it was at Chattanooga, my goodness, Chattanooga 100, there was just water everywhere. You know, the whole time it just poured and our feet were soaked. But I took care of my feet. I wore the, the, uh, the old Sage Canaday sock. Uh, they don't make it anymore, but you, know, you can look for uh, similar properties in their socks or just reach out to them and say, what would something similar to the Canaday sock be? Because that, that sock kept my foot from pruning, from you know, getting blistered. It's just, it was fantastic in the wet. I've never had another sock like Drymax when it comes to wet conditions. Um, still have my Sage Candidates. I've got a slew of them. I only use them for wet ultras. They are specifically stored for those. I do change them. It's not to say that um, I go all 100 miles or whatever the distance is in just one pair. I do switch them out to make sure that my feet are staying dry. Um, I wipe my feet down. If I feel any hot spots, I take care of that with uh, with some lube. Um, uh, you know, in uh, in Hard Rock, uh, I was getting my heels were getting really heated on the downhills coming down because of the uh, the shearing and the braking force that I was applying on the downhills. Um, so we use some of the squirrel nut butter, um, you know, some of their their toe solve, and um, I only applied it once and didn't have a problem after that. So um, take care of those feet, address them as need be. You know, have a towel in your drop bag that you can dry out your feet a little bit and put on a new pair of socks. We have the socks, but if you put them on a wet foot or a foot that's kind of pruned up, you know, it's not going to do much because they're just going to get wet as soon as you leave the aid station. If you, and here, the urgency is taking care of the feet. You need to take that. That is the pressing issue. So when I talk about urgency, again, it's situational, right? Your feet, if they don't, if they're not good, obviously you're not going to continue. So the urgency is taking care of those feet, drying off those feet, making sure that they're okay to put back in a dry sock. Now, you know, I've also had it where my, my shoes are soaked. I go back to uh, Bighorn. Um, my, my socks were soaked. I came into the aid station at uh, 50 miles, the turnaround point. The, like basically two miles before that, you run through a mile of just marsh. You know, your feet just go below water. You're just, your shoes are completely soaked. And you know that you're turning around. So you're, you're going to go right back through that. So, you know, I changed out my socks only to the, you know, because they were cold and put on a dry pair to give my feet a moment to feel warm. But then obviously I turned around and went right back into those, that marsh and got my feet soaking wet again. So, it's hard sometimes because, you know, at, at, at this race, it, it rained again and people got soaked again. So, but taking care of your feet, you know, um, whenever you can. Um, what I did at Bighorn was with 50K to go, I had another drop bag. So I had a pair of shoes and socks waiting there that I could change into, which, you know, allowed me to have, you know, dry feet again, uh, even though we were going back into the weather. 
Um, I wasn't going through a marsh or anything where my feet would get totally soaked. They were just super muddy. If anybody that knows Bighorn when it rains, it's just mud. But take care of those feet so you can get to the finish line. Other things, um, we talk about um, your, you know, your pack. Uh, well, under certain conditions, your pack may rub you away it hadn't in the past. So, um, you know, I, what I always do is I have um, some duct tape on my drop bag. Uh, you know, it's a good way to kind of show um, show you know where my drop bag is because I use different colors to try to make it stand out. But the other thing you do is peel it off and use a piece either on your skin to um, you know to help prevent the chafing that's going on, or you can put it on the pack itself to see if it stops the rub. Um, you know, a lot of times I just put it on myself if I'm getting a rub on my neck or something. So that way the, the duct tape is kind of a, a layer between me and the pack. Um, you know, um, if you put like a, a lube there, it can help temporarily while you're on the trail. Just kind of keep it lubed. You should always have like a little stick on you anyway. Um, so keep that lubed until you can get to the aid station, hopefully where there's a drop bag. And use that duct tape from your, from your bag and put it on. You know, again, this is problem solving. What do you have available to you? Um, so instead of putting a whole roll of duct tape in the drop bag, like I said, just put little pieces on the outside. And that way you can use those if need be to, to make corrections. Okay. So lots of stuff there. But when your gear is not working, problem solve. And again, if you're having trouble thinking of a way to you know, resolve it, ask the aid station. You know, people are asking us for duct tape. Unfortunately, we didn't have any at the aid station. But... Mental note for Hellbender, each age station will have duct tape. <laughs> um, so, uh, but problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. All right, next. Um, all right, let's see. Um, going through my notes here. All right. Um, so, the next thing I saw was um, too much crew. People had too many crew members. And the reason there were too many crew members is there were too many people around the runner and everybody's trying to do everything for the runner, but nobody had an assignment. There was nobody specifically doing, you know, a specific task for the runner. They're all just like, what can we get you? What can we do? Instead, like, instead of um, having assignments, it, you know, you assigning your crew members roles or having a crew chief to do so you do this you do this you know um so like maybe the crew chief is um is refreshing all the calories another member is taking care of the bottles or the bladder another member is grabbing the drop bag okay there you know everybody was all over the place and there were there were six people for this one person and you know i've seen it where you know Things are forgotten. I just talked to one of my runners, and, and like the you know the main thing that the runner needed was forgotten, just because it you know it it slips by because there's so many people, and you know not everybody's taking care of a task. If you assign each member a task, and they do that consistently each time you see the runner, then everything is fulfilled. They've done their job. That is done. Check. Okay. So make sure that when you tell your crew chief, all right, you know, make sure that, uh, let's say, um, Joe is, is giving me my gels. Let's make sure that 
Sally is giving me um, fresh bottles. Uh, I want uh, Roger to take my trash and um, grab my drop bag. So, you know, make sure everybody has a role and they're not just all running around like chickens with their head cut off. Because that's what I saw. It was chaos. I think the runner was overwhelmed. It was stressful for the runner. Like, you know, all of these people, they just had high anxiety. They're trying to be helpful, but I think they freaked the runner out. So, uh, you know, even though we're trying to, you know, make urgency to push the runner out of the aid station, remember, like, don't stress the runner out. Let the runner relax and, you know, get what the runner needs and leave feeling comfortable without the anxiety of your stress because you're trying to help the runner. Stay calm, you know, create a calm environment for the runner, reassure the runner they're, everything's fine, everything's looking good. You know, if you have a timetable, let them know where they are on the timetable. Um, let them know distance to the next aid station and when they will see you again. You know, think of all these things. Uh, I had a crew special episode a while back. If you want to listen to that, um, it's probably time we do another <laughs> crew special because there's like so many things we can talk about. But um, make sure that everybody has a role and that nothing is forgotten. Take care of the runner. Um, another big thing, allow volunteers to help. I kind of talked about it earlier. Um, let them take care of your bottles while you take care of other things. If you have those bottles ready when you come into the aid station, you hand them to a volunteer. Volunteer fills them up, gets them back to you. You can keep moving, right? L allow people to help. Allow people to help you. That's some of the hardest things to do is to allow others to help you. I understand that, um, but that's what they're there for. They want to do that, so allow them to. Drop bags. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> folks are getting much better with drop bags. That's, you know, it's always, um, it's, it's always an issue, you know, uh, packing a drop bag, organizing a drop bag. So let's talk a little bit about that. I did another episode, and I will put both of the, the crew and the uh, um um, other, um, episodes, uh, in the show notes. I'm just making a note so I don't forget. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, let's, let's start with drop bags, um, size. All right. You don't need anything huge. All right. It's just, everything gets sorted around and flown around because it's too big. So let's condense smaller, right? Um, I like the Ziploc, the storage bags, they're a little bigger than the gallon size. You can get them at Walmart, Target, etc. Um, I believe they're a large. They have different sizes, but the large is perfect. It's it Ziplocs, it's waterproof, it's got handles, it's got a label on it. So those are perfect. You, you can fit shoes in them, um, and you can get the next size up, the XL. If you feel like your shoes are too big, I mean, Hoka's sometimes can <laughs> can be a little too big for, for some bags. So there are next sizes up. Um, so get what size is right for, for what you want to put in there. Um, and, um, and then be considerate of what you put in there. Um, if, you know, uh, put what you are going to need in there. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier. If it's going to be wet, have an extra socks in there, you know, a hand towel, 
Um, you know, have your, if you're not going to do what the aid station is providing for fluids, have your mix in there. Um, but put everything in its own Ziploc bag. So put them in smaller bags. So if you use sandwich or quart size bags, that will give it a second layer of waterproofing. Um, if you're going to put spare batteries in there, that way, when you grab them out, you can just put the bag in your pack and then it's waterproof in your pack. If you're going to change your socks, you put your old socks back in that Ziploc bag and then close it because they're soaking wet and you can put it back in the drop bag. It doesn't make everything else gross and disgusting. So if you have little zip back bags, it's easier to find um, what what's in there. So think about that in organizing your drop bag. So with your drop bags, make sure the size is just right. Not too big, not too small, obviously. Don't put in too much stuff. Be very specific with what you put in there. Um, you know, you don't have to have for every contingency, but have your, you know, your your backups, um, batteries, obviously, lube, um, nutrition, uh, hydration. Um, whether you need new socks or any of that, you know, but just just the main things, um, and then make sure that it's waterproof. Um, that's why I like those Ziploc bags, uh, orange mud. Um, I can put those in the show notes. Orange mud makes a drop bag. That's a kind of the same thing, um, for a drop bag. Uh, like I said, I'll try to put a link in the show notes for those, but, um, super simple. But like I said, you can get the Ziploc ones at a, at a grocer or, um, a Walmart target. So, um, yeah, I, it was, again, it was, um, it was great. Um, obviously, um, volunteering, I really enjoyed, you know, being a small part of, of everyone's race, um, meeting some new folks. There was a great opportunity. If you have the opportunity to volunteer at an aid station, highly suggest it. Um, we are going to be needing obviously people for the hellbender 100. So if you can volunteer, we'll be getting that up. Uh, registration will open on November 1st for, um, entrance, And uh, we'll be making more announcements on the Hellbender podcast. If you haven't subscribed to that, please um, take a moment, subscribe to the new Hellbender 100 podcast. Um, We'll be making announcements on there, having special guests. um, And uh, we're releasing that twice a month, the first and third Saturday of each month. So please subscribe to the Hellbender 100 podcast. Um, As for me, my goodness, um, uh, (laughs) with everything going on, I, once again, apologize. I have not had time to finish the newsletter. Um, I may just do like a September, October newsletter just with the way things have been. Um, You know, this is race season, um, which uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful fall race season. Some big races coming up. Some big races just happened. So I hope your training has gone well. If you have questions or want to talk about the possibility of coaching, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can reach me through my website, mrrunningpains.com. Find out more about my coaching and what opportunities I have um, through that website, as well as subscribe to my newsletter. All old podcasts and newsletters are archived on the website, so please visit mrrunningpains.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram. All of those links are going to be in the show notes as well as be a Patreon supporter. I greatly appreciate my supporters. allows me to keep doing this um, and have this platform and sharing these things with you. 
Uh, also want to hear from you. So if you have ideas for uh, future podcasts or things you want to hear about in the newsletter, things you want to learn about, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Again, through my website, you can find me. Find me through social media, Strava, Aaron Saft, MR Running Pains on Strava. Uh, follow along in my adventures. I'll be racing October 2nd at The Naturalist. Really excited to uh, to get back on the line. First race since um, since Hard Rock. So should be fun. Um, but again, I thank you guys for your time, for listening. If you guys have questions or comments uh, on this podcast or any of the others, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. I sincerely appreciate it. And until next time, keep running, my friends.